This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. All right. Thanks, everyone. Welcome to yet another episode of Diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z. I'm Matt Fonslow, and today I have the distinct pleasure of welcoming Sean Medbury uh, on the podcast. Sean is a lead tech at Red Hawk Auto Service in Temecula, California. He's a master or ASC certified master technician. He's a smog tech. He's also, and uh, a large part of what these, today's episode is going to be about, he is a two-stripe brown belt in uh, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu under Professor Ricardo Guimaraes at Gracie Humeta in the, obviously Temecula, California. Jiu-Jitsu knowledge, or what What got you interested in jiu-jitsu? Uh, honestly, I was thinking about this, that uh, I was initially going to say that it had to do with uh, UFC number two, because that was really the first one that hit video cassette. There was a UFC one mm-hmm. uh, before that, uh, and that's maybe most known, if, if you remember watching it, where Hoist went up against a guy, a boxer, who wore one boxing glove. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. But that was really hard to find on video cassette. If you tried to order UFC 1, you actually got UFC 2. Really? Um, okay, that's I was going to say that, but you know what? It, it goes back further. Um, I am positive. So when my mom would go shopping, uh, specifically grocery shopping, uh, the grocery store we went to had a pretty large magazine rack. And of course I would just whip through the uh, popular science, popular mechanics, uh, most of the sports stuff, specifically like um, basketball stuff. Uh, And then eventually you got to like black belt magazine and there was one called, and I, this is really stretching my um, memory here, but I'm positive it was, uh, inside Kung Fu and the particular, the particular article in it, or I guess you would call it an article didn't pit the, uh, martial arts against each other. They had five different scenarios and they had five different styles and how one would respond or how maybe that style would respond to each scenario. And now again, I'm going to stress my memory here, but I'm pretty sure one of them was um, Five Animal Kung Fu, and I think it might have been Jason DeLucia uh-huh. uh, was the um, uh, expert for that portion. And then, then yeah. you had um, American Kenpo, which was popularized by Ed, Ed Parker. Uh, there was a movie that kind of highlighted it called The Perfect Weapon, and that highlighted American Kempo. There was, I think, one that was Shorinru Karate, and then I think the other one was Ka- like Kali, or is it Eskrima? Is that how they pronounce it? Uh, yeah, Eskrima, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the last one was Gracie Jiu-Jitsu by, and I'm... I'm almost positive it was Carlson Gracie. I'm I'm almost positive. And they just brought up about how it was the only martial art, of course, in the article, but that they could really think of 
that wasn't just okay with bringing the altercation or the fight to the ground. In most cases, they tried to get it to the ground as soon as possible. And it was kind of mind-boggling to the experts. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I would say that was my very first introduction to uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which was really, I guess, one of the branches of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. And then, of course, then then UFC. Then Hoist woke up the world, mm-hmm. honestly. I think Hoist really opened up everyone's eyes, even though uh, the Gracies were heavily involved in pride pride was not unless you were just one of those either super interested or i don't know how you would even get access to the tapes to mm-hmm. watch pride but it it didn't hit like the worldwide phenomenon it is or was until hoist won really i think that second ufc and then really the fourth one mm-hmm. against dan severn when he beat severn and said in an interview that if Severn would have had just rudimentary knowledge of submissions, he would have lost. Mm-hmm. That Severn would have beat him. But because Severn had no idea how to submit and how to defend submissions, that's why Hoist won with the triangle. Yeah, he was swimming with sharks. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to take a moment here to thank our sponsor, Napa. It's no secret we're facing a technician shortage. Napa Auto Care is addressing that. The free two-year apprentice program offers a variety of training to produce a technician with three ASE certifications. To learn more, members can visit member.napaautocare.com. You had a real, like your your story of, of seeing that stuff in the magazines. That's what, you know, every kid in, in the 80s were, were seeing in the back of those kind of those comic books and in the back of black belt magazine. And, um, and I just had a real, I was funneled into it because I worked with a guy that was going down to Torrance. This was probably in 96, 97. And he was going down to Torrance and he was training with Horian. And then he was bringing back everything that he, he learned there and he was teaching it to uh, me and a couple other guys. So we would go down to the, the high school um, there in Colton, California, and we would roll around in the grass. He would teach us everything. I had a little bit of a wrestling background, so I was able to shoot in on him and, and take him down with a double leg and kind of hold him there. Um, but they quickly taught me that, you know, that my neck was exposed, my arms were exposed, and that I would have to do more um, in order to stay safe. So after that, it, it just got to be one of those things where you just get into it more and more and more. Um, in high school, my brother and I, the, the first UFC, we got we pulled our money together and asked my mom, just, hey, can can we get this pay-per-view online? And she was real hesitant, but she actually ordered it for us. And so we watched that. Uh, and so that really sprouted my interest in it. Um, and then when I moved to Temecula, that's when... I really started getting serious because Dan Henderson had a gym out here. Um, it was called team quest. And I went over there and tried a class and the class was just, it was just brutal. Yeah. As you know, as a wrestler, you tend to use your head to get, you know, to move your opponent's body around. Um, and so it's just a real easy place for somebody to snag up a choke. So I was always, you know, extending my head and extending my arms and yeah, they, they made me realize really quick that, what they were learning out there with Horian had a lot of value. 
And, and so it just got to the point to where I loved that grappling so much. I would do whatever I could to go and train, you know, to go and work out uh, with these guys. And no, I mean, to add just a little bit of history to that, and I don't mm-hmm. know that it's overly important, but I, I guess I find it interesting is that mm-hmm. Horian, Horian is the son of Halo. Halo was um, a brother, I think, to uh, Carlos. Mm-hmm. And they, and I think there might have been another brother, but they were trained in more conventional uh, jiu-jitsu, the Japanese jiu-jitsu, which uh, I think just for the sake of the discussion and sake of the podcast is more, th- when you think of samurai, Think of jujitsu specifically when they're fighting without their sword. So they they lose the katana. They need to defend themselves, get their katana back, disarm somebody. They were using jujitsu. It involved throws, uh, joint manipulation, uh, chokes, stuff that would work against armor, uh, specifically samurai armor. And if I understand the story, the lore properly, is Halo. Halo. Halo was um kind of a weakling, sickly child, and couldn't do a lot of the stuff, a lot of the throws and all that. Uh, because of that, he kind of started modifying things and kind of births this Gracie and then really Brazilian jiu-jitsu where a lot is focused on leverage and technique that doesn't require a lot of strength. And Horian uh, was the oldest and he's also the one who um, kind of helped start UFC, the the, the pre-Dana White, pre-Zuffa UFC. So it'd be like, man, I don't even know if it made it the first 10. But he was very much involved in the beginning. He also did fight choreography for Lethal Weapon. So I don't know yes, if you guys remember did. the... Yeah, if you remember the very first Lethal Weapon, Mel Gibson's character, Riggs, wins the fight at the end with a triangle choke. Mm-hmm. The the fact that you had a chance to kind of be around that to me is just that is cool as all get out. Yeah. It was one of those things where you didn't realize what we were. I didn't realize how close I was to these guys and, and what was going on at that point. You know, I didn't realize that watching married with children, that Ed O'Neill is a black belt in jiu-jitsu and this guy's going in training, you know. It, it, Ed O'Neill started at a fairly, I got to be careful how I word this, but uh, a somewhat advanced age. I think he was at least 40-something when he started to roll. Yeah, That's insane. Yeah, well, it just shows you also that jiu-jitsu has a very low injury rate when it comes to other sports. Um, so it's, it's because I'm, I'm, I'm training with partners that I trust. If I get in a position to where I feel like I'm going to get hurt, either they're going to let go or I'm going to tap and, and, you know, basically give up and, and protect myself. So that way I could train in the future. So it's a, it's a unique sport in that aspect where it's really, it's not like judo, judo, you get banged up a whole lot in judo. Uh, you get, you get your knees all torn up in basketball, um, same thing, you get your knees torn up in football, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. I've seen, you know, Ken Shamrock has exploded some people's knees before, <laughs> but in the actual, yeah. in the actual, you know, day-to-day training, I mean, the most, the worst that I get when I come home is a little gi burn on my face, 
once in a while you get elbowed in the mouth, you know, stuff like that. Um, since I'm not, we're not doing suplexes from the standing position. You know, there's not these big crazy throws and, and things like this. The injury rate is, is fairly low. I mean, this, and the fact that you can't handle a simple suplex is why the Gracies have never won a WWE <laughs> championship. Exactly. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a really good point that it's one of the few, not just combat sports, um, but contact sports that both people, both players, both participants can go all out and nobody has to get injured. Yep. Everybody, everybody comes away whole. Yeah. 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 And that I think even makes it more effective. You could argue there's techniques uh, and other martial arts, which, which I mean, that it's not even an argument, but it's hard to practice it full speed, full contact against somebody that's trying to defend themselves against it and may not succeed in defending themselves. Where Brazilian jiu-jitsu, that's not the case. Like you can go hard. Everybody's going to come out, like you said, come out whole. That that makes it a very, very alluring, I guess, style of um, combat, self-defense. Uh, I tend to agree with Ro- Joe Rogan, who talks about it a mm-hmm. lot. It, it's something to consider. Like many, many years ago, I think boxing, which which also is a, a, a very effective um, style, Absolutely. if you will. But that was taught. That was taught in school. You were going to box. I think uh, jiu-jitsu is one of those things, uh, specifically Brazilian jiu-jitsu or Gracie jiu-jitsu, is something we should start considering teaching in schools as part of FIED or FIZ, yeah. or whatever, depending on what part of the country you're in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it should be taught in every police department nationwide. Um, it should. It, all of our kids should know... Uh, just a rudimentary sense of self-defense with jiu-jitsu. I absolutely agree. Uh, it's it's a it's one of those things. Eighty percent of fights end up on the ground. You know that's a that's a, I'm not sure. I've heard that number thrown around, so I'll just use it again. But you know they say eighty percent of fights, and when you go on YouTube and you when you watch all these fight compilations, nine or you know eighty percent of the time you see people on the ground right away. You know, um, and then you see a lot of. Nobody knows what to do once they hit the ground. It's a good skill to have. You know, it's an excellent skill to have. It's not going to be the first thing I do. And if somebody breaks into my home, I'm not going to try to put them in my guard and, <laughs> and choke them out, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got them with yeah, an arm bar, officer. Yeah, no, we're going for the boomstick, you know. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Tapped them out yeah. in the kitchen. <laughs> but it's it just really translated the... The amount of discipline that you have to have with yourself and, and just the uh, mental fortitude to, to get through s- certain positions, you, you, know, you find yourself grappling somebody that's not only heavier than you, they're younger than you, they're more athletic than you, and they have better technique than you. The only thing you can do is defend, 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 and try to make it out of the sparring session without tapping out. And this, that's when guys get in trouble because now they're fighting their ego. They're not fighting that guy. Instead of them realizing, hey, this gentleman here, he's been training longer than me. He's in better shape than me. He's just more athletic than me. You know, um, I'm going to go ahead and tap out to this position. They won't. And then they get hurt and they don't come back. And then they badmouth the sport later on. Yeah, I think you bring up a lot of interesting things. I, 
I really um, equate it to chess. I, I just feel like it's a chess match on the ground. It is. You're absolutely right. It's a it's a violent game of chess. The masters, the, the people that are really good at it, prodigies, they think many many moves ahead. They're they're doing things that seem like they might be immediate threats, but they're really not. They're looking to make you uh, or urge you, coax you into a response, and then they're going to take advantage of the response. And usually, they know what the response will be. It's rare that they're surprised by the response, and it just leads to your eventual submission or uh, you know whatever, putting you to sleep breaking something yeah maybe not during practice but yeah that's uh that's called baiting they'll bait you into a a bunch of different things and as you get as you get further on in your jujitsu journey you start to identify that and you say hey why would he leave his arm in that position that's a really silly spot to leave your arm i'm gonna snag it up oh wait a second he's gonna sweep me when i go for that arm okay i'm not gonna go for that arm i'm gonna but this is all happening in you know this like, uh, you know, just milliseconds, you know, it's your brain just operates on a really, on just a different level. You know, jujitsu is one of those things to where I can't think about anything else while I'm in jujitsu. You know, nothing else creeps into my brain, especially with sparring. Have you visited the Napa Auto Care member site lately? Since its relaunch in 2020, the Napa Auto Care member site has continued to evolve to keep members updated on all the Napa programs, promotions, member benefits, and business building tools to help your business thrive. Some features to the member site include never miss an update, stay current with notifications and announcements on the homepage, view the dashboard featuring your shop's financial status, take advantage of cost saving member exclusive promotions. A faster, automated 2424 peace of mind warranty submission process. Submit re-repair claims directly to the member site and easily check the status there as well. Typically, the claim is settled and the EFT or credit card payment is sent within 48 hours. Turn searches into new customers with the referral tracker. Learn more about how a consumer Napa online search for your shop can generate new customers at no additional cost to members. Use this popular customer tool to evolve your marketing strategies to get the most business value. Own more than one Napa Auto Care? Link all facilities to one login and access all facilities as one user. You can also access the shop, Napa, Helm, or Pro Office website directly. Submit a Pro Image free look for a sneak peek at how you can co-brand your locally known name with the nationally recognized Napa brand. Submit online ASC certification renewal and test reimbursement. Exclusive access to dozens of industry-leading programs and solutions. If you are a Napa Auto Care member, visit member.napaautocare.com to access the member portal and take advantage of these many member benefits today. Not a Napa Auto Care Center? Contact your servicing Napa Auto Parts store to learn more about how to join the Napa family. Here comes the big question. This begs the question. How do we correlate this to auto repair or uh, vehicles diagnostics analysis? The main thing that that I really wanted to stress is just knowing your basics. Um, because when you start as a white belt in jiu-jitsu, that's all they teach you is, is the basics. 
you learn, you know, good, good, proper posture. Uh, you learn where, where not to put your arms. You learn where, you know, not to extend your, your limbs away from your body. Um, uh, and then you become, as you work up, you become a purple belt. That's kind of the middle of, of, of the jujitsu journey there. Uh, you start to learn all these new fancy moves and all these new cool, t- um, techniques and, you know, tools to add to your jujitsu toolbox. Then when you get to black belt, all they're doing is they're refining and they're honing all those basic skills. So now you have just a, just an excellent grasp of, of the basics. And so I think that when, when, you, when you start off as a white belt in jiu-jitsu, you could almost, instead of going in that triangle of white belt to purple belt, then back down to, to black belt, I would li- I'd like people to think about just going from white belt straight over just, you know, lateral move to, to black belt to where you're getting those, those, uh, basics and then you're polishing them off really well. Um, and then, cause a lot of those basics defeat these tools and these tricks that these guys have learned, these fancy techniques. So in automotive, if you have a very good, strong 12 volt, um, base, you can rely on that and you could be put in situations with vehicles to where you go, hold on a second. I know the check engine light is telling me this, but I'm getting this reading with my DVOM and I know 12 volts. So I'm, I'm going to go this, this way. You know, you get a, a, a poorly written, um, a, a poorly written like identifix article or a poorly written uh, service information. You have the ability to work around that. Uh, and you're not just stuck going, okay, somebody tell me how to fix this car. You know, uh, another thing about jujitsu, how it translates is being uncomfortable or being, I'm, I'm sorry, being comfortable in uncomfortable positions. Uh, there's many times to where, you know, like I think I've, I messaged you or I've messaged somebody recently talking about how I've, you know, I've cried both, uh, you know, off the mat and driving home from work, either stupid cars made me cry or my own mistakes at the gym. It made me cry, just shed tears of, frustration uh and and once you become comfortable in those uncomfortable times you think clearly you can you can see the forest through the trees or whatever that that saying is but it it just brings about a um a level of confidence that not a lot of folks have you know especially when they're dealing with problems they haven't seen on on vehicles they haven't seen before yeah i love that that I think that about makes the episode right there. Just being comfortable in discomfort that having that level of patience that, you know, let me get myself into a position where I'm fairly well protected. If we're, if we're talking strictly like jujitsu, it's, you're not going to really do that on a car or protect <laughs> yourself, but let me take a few moments here before I get so frustrated that all I can think about is blowing this car mm-hmm. up that let me just take a few minutes here. Let me think about this. Let me think, let me think through the events leading up to where I'm at and now take all of this information, process it a little bit and come up with the next move. What do, what do I got to do to get out of this uncomfortable exactly. position? And, and I, I like to liken the defense to, do you have an out on this vehicle? Have you talked to the customer? Have you told them, hey, these are the tests that we're going to be performing. After I perform these tests, 
we're out of diagnostic time. I need you to fund the diagnostic well at this point <laughs> for us to go any further. It's, it's their car. It's their project. They need to fund the time. I would love to fix your car and find out what's going on with it, but I want to be paid for my time. So I think the defense comes in that aspect of, hey, have you, have you actually talked to the customer? Does the customer know what we're doing right now? Do, do they have any idea like how complicated this situation is? Or are we keeping them in the dark and, and the service writer is just telling them, oh, yeah, they're going to figure it out. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's just a fuse or whatever the case may be. Uh, and, and that's because I hate, I hate uh, my back being put against a wall with a car. You know, some of these cars you get in there and the vehicles need restoration. They don't need repairs. And, and so, you know, and so now I'm here and I'm, hey, solve my problem. Well, this isn't one problem, you know, ma'am or sir. This is layers of neglect. And I can guarantee I'm going to touch this and this over here is going to fall apart. So I always try to, you know, if, if, if I don't feel the service writer is doing a good job conveying that to the customer, then I just would like to call the customer myself. Because I want them to know what, what they're getting into. And so, like I said, I always leave that defensive back door open for me to escape. Yeah, it's it's an easy trap to fall into, too, because, you know, too many times you get a few minutes on a car. I, I mean, I'm talking five, ten minutes, and you have it built up in your head now. This should this, I should be able to have this figured out in an hour. And now an hour and a half or two hour go two hours go by. And nobody's called the client. Nobody's called the customer to get a little more time. You haven't taken that first hour or whatever it is you sell uh, as that uh, initial analysis Mm -hmm. and called and you got approval for more. And and just to be able to say, you know, I've in this block of time or whatever we're initial charging, this is what I know. Mm hmm. You know, I, I've tested this, 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 and this. This is the direction I'm heading. These are the tests I wish to do. Here's how much. Mm-hmm. Too often, and dude, I'm pretty guilty of it. Pretty darn guilty of it. Forget all about it. Just kind of like, okay, you know, I kind of have an idea where I want to go. And I should have this thing figured out in no time. And next thing you know, I have a little more time in it than uh, <laughs> I probably should without getting... Uh, a little extra time paid for. Yeah, I, I trained at one gym and there was a sign that said ego above the door. And that's where you left your ego was at the door. Uh, and so that's what I tell guys at work. I said, look, your story is what you get paid on. You get paid on your story. I mean, yeah, you get paid to fix a car. But what you write in the diagnostic results field in the computer or on your paperwork or however you communicate with your customer, that's really what you're being paid for. Yeah, write down everything that you did. If you road tested it, hey, I road tested it. Did you visually inspect it? Yes, I visually inspected it. You know, did you, you know, did you take a mirror and 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 mirror the entire wiring harness that you feel like there may be rodent damage in? Document those things and make sure that your 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 customer knows you're providing value to them. Um, and then and then it also warrants, okay. I spent, we charge you an hour of diagnostic time. I spent an hour and a half. I gave you an extra half hour. I need to get another hour of diagnostic, you know, of of more um, time so we can figure this out completely. Um, I mean, I'm not saying go in there and just blow smoke. What I'm saying is have a plan of attack. You know, it's just too many times I've had service riders that have hung me out into the wind. And it's like, hey, guys, uh, (laughs) 
they, I don't think the customer understands how deep we are into this vehicle. You know, do they know what's going on? And uh, sometimes you might get a service rider that may have fibbed a little bit to the customer because the customer called and they didn't want to go back and check on you or whatever the case may be. And so now they're trying to juggle that situation too. There are some, some shops are going to the method to where, hey, the only person the customer talks to is the tech. I don't think we're quite, quite there yet with the techs in the field to talk to every customer, but I think that's a good, that's a good move. So the, where you train, that's uh, pretty much pure jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Gracie jiu-jitsu. It's Gracie jiu-jitsu. The, our master is uh, Master Hoyler Gracie. So that's Helio's son. He was one of the most, I mean, Hoyler yeah, has got the most, uh, I mean, the, the best competitive resume out of all the, out of all the Gracie's. He's a really, really nice guy. He comes up to the gym every once in a while. Um, he's super active on social media. Um, him and Professor Ricardo, they're really good friends. And so they're out surfing and doing all this cool stuff. So it's just a really fun atmosphere and vibe. Uh, before we were, we were Gracie Baja, which is, um, Carlos Gracie Jr.'s child, I guess that's that's his branch, and so uh, uh, Professor Ricardo ended up switching over from Gracie Baja to Gracie Humida, and it's we've been Gracie Humida guys ever since, and it's it's just been it's really really fun, it's really great, and and you're you know you're rubbing elbows with with these guys are going to go down in history. I mean these guys are they're part of you know the martial arts history. And not only that, they're, they've, they've turned Southern California into a mecca of, of jiu-jitsu. I mean, they, from here down to the border of Mexico, you can find nothing but top-rate jiu-jitsu guys. Um, you got Dean Lister down there in San Diego. You got, you got Atos down there in San Diego. So, I mean, there's just there's a, a number of gyms. Keenan Cornelius is down there in San Diego. So it's just... I could, you know, my wife would probably murder me, but I could just take my geese and just go around and train every weekend at a different gym and just have a blast because there's just so much out here. Yeah. Hoyler, I'm not exactly sure where he is in the family. I think he's the youngest or close to the youngest of the main brothers. So Horian's the oldest or no, no, no. Yeah. Horian and then Hickson. Uh, you know what? Yeah. Uh, Hoist and Holker and uh, all them, but he's one of the younger ones. Uh, he dominated uh, jiu-jitsu tournaments for a long mm-hmm. time. You were not going to beat him. It wasn't. It wasn't even so much. Do you have a chance to beat him? It was more. How long can I last? Mm-hmm. And and being able to last a few rounds with him was that spoke more because you probably weren't going to win. This will sound like I'm trying to knock him down. It's really not. It's to speak more volumes about him. I don't know how famous it is, but he went up against uh, uh, Kazushi uh, Sakuraba and got his arm destroyed. Oh, you're talking about... Did not that was That was Henzo. Well, Henzo did too, but I think, Ho- I think Ho- Hoyler's arm was broke as well. He didn't tap. He did not tap. Is a great respectful loser but his arm was arm or shoulder i thought he broke his arm very similarly to henzo 
Henzo got Henzo was doing very well and then got he got Kamorad. Yeah, Henzo got Kamorad. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm almost positive Hoyler got Kamorad too. And it but he wouldn't tap. And I don't know that they called it of all of them, uh hoisted quite well. Ended up with a <laughs> broken leg and they they threw in the towel, but that was many, many rounds later. Yeah, Sakuraba was the Gracie killer, you know. He was the <laughs> Yeah, and then Eddie Bravo and Hoyler had a couple of really amazing matches. I know Bravo caught him in a triangle mm-hmm. uh, with a rubber guard, but the second, the follow-up, uh, the, it was a, a draw. But man, was that a, it was a really fun match to watch back and forth. Eddie had him in something called an electric chair. So basically, Eddie had Hoyler, so they're face-to-face. Eddie has his legs around one of Hoyler's legs so that uh, Hoyler's knee roughly is kind of in Eddie's crotch area. And then Eddie had Hoyler's other leg on his shoulder. And then he kind of reaches up and hugs Mm -hmm. him and you do the splits. Most people can't do the splits. Hoyler can do the splits. It goes back and forth because that's not a submission move for Hoyler. And the whole time they're talking back and forth, like talking smack, like making fun of one another. And it's, it's just so much fun to listen to them talk about that match, the, the amount of respect and that the, this should be ending the match, but it's Hoyler. So it's not going to, even if it was hurting him, even if it was, he would never tap. No, he would, he would, he would take that torn adductor muscle and heartbeat, you know, uh. <laughs> <laughs> that, I just think that's cool that you're in that world and access to those type of individuals that I agree with you there. It's really hard to place them in the um, order of importance to that in, in the martial arts or martial sciences, because they, they will probably never get the credit they deserve. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, you're going to get, I mean, Bruce Lee brought in really like that Jeet Kune Do and learn what you can from everything and take what works, dispel everything that, or, you know, ignore, get rid of everything that doesn't work. And I don't know that he ever really got into Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. The closest he got, I think, was training with like Gene LaBelle. Yeah. Yeah. Gene LaBelle taught him a lot of stuff. But the 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 whole Gracie family, I don't I don't know if they're ever going to get the recognition they really deserve for changing everything. Because mm-hmm. the, the reason I asked you if the where you train is purely uh, Gracie Jiu Jitsu is, I think the vast majority of us, uh, if you're not in a large metropolitan area, the chances of you training somewhere that's strictly Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is very very low, or Gracie Jiu Jitsu. It's probably going to be something like combat sports related or MMA related. And then you're going to get multiple different things, including Brazilian jiu-jitsu and who knows what um, style of, or almost dialect, if you will. Well, this is one thing that a lot of folks don't realize. I think with jiu-jitsu is that the upper echelon of jiu-jitsu is MMA. I mean, that's where that's, that's the very top of jiu-jitsu. So it doesn't go any farther than that. So, um, so you see a lot of basically jujitsu is MMA 
if you follow me, you know, um, because once you get to a, a black belt status, there's nothing else on top of that. It's you're going to be fighting a multitude of different opponents and you have to find a way to, you know, nullify their attacks. And so if, if you really think about it, it's yeah, MMA is really no different than just jujitsu as a whole. You know, you can learn a bunch of kicks and you can learn, you know, they teach kicks in jujitsu so that way to take you down, you know. I it's at least I've been explained that my I had a black belt explain it to me that way that the the final level of jujitsu is basically MMA. If you I don't know if you've ever heard of Valley Tudo. Okay. I've heard of that. The only reason I know about it or heard about it is Hua. Is it Mark Marco Hua? won a UFC like number seven or eight I think and he won it he, he so he did some takedowns and some submissions but he won the 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 last fight because that was still in the time where they did you know each fighter would could fight multiple times mm-hmm. so UFC as we know it now is one fight Three three rounds or five rounds. Championship uh, fights would be five rounds. Normal ones are three rounds. Early UFC was there were no time limits. And uh, you would fight two or three times that night in a kind of a bracket. And this guy, the fight he won to get the title or win the check, really, was leg kicks. He leg kicked the guy. Because the guy he was fighting was a monster. He was big uh, and tough. If I remember right, his description of his style was like pit fighting or something of that nature. Uh, but Huas chopped him down. And in enough leg kicks, the guy finally went down. And I very respectful. It's not like he ran over and started pounding mm-hmm. on him. The guy went down. And uh, probably probably Big John McCarthy was the... Um, Referee, that was the end. They knew it was the end. He probably tapped too or said something like, I'm mm-hmm. done. I uh, can't stand. That's the only reason I have heard about Valley Tudo, but I believe, doesn't isn't it like Portuguese for no holds barred? Or exactly. Something like that? Yeah, that's that's basically the origin of it. You know, it's it's no holds barred. Um and it's it's just uh it was a, it was a tournaments that they used to do back in the day. And it's it's just something that we'll never see over here because they had it was like I said no holds barred. I mean these guys were fish hooking you and they were doing all kinds of of things that we don't find very civilized over here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I was just wondering if you knew about Valley Tudo and, and how you know it um, it kind of set the stage for MMA and and then you know how Horian used the UFC to kind of showcase, uh, you know, Gracie jujitsu. I, I think that guy is just, he's just a, he's a master marketer. And, and you were saying previously how you don't know if they'll get their recognition. I tend to believe now that they've really got their recognition and they're, you know, the family, they really left a legacy for these guys. The family's comfortable. They're, you know, they're all making money. They, they have, um, they basically set up this dynasty for themselves and, and all their children. They're very business savvy. I mean, the, a lot of the Brazilians that came up here, they they got with a good attorney and they basically turned it into an empire, you know. 
So it's, it's a really cool thing. It's one of those things too, where you go, dang, now everybody, the cat's out of the bag. Everybody knows about jujitsu. <laughs> so, so now I'm, I'm not, it's not so special anymore. Um, I'm not the only one that covets it, but it's great to see the sport just exploding the way it is. I would love to see it in the Olympics. I, I just don't know if that'll happen in my lifetime or not. I mean, they got trampolining. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, you know, we got Taekwondo and Judo boxing. Uh, there's, there's plenty of room for uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Yeah, absolutely. Plenty. Of absolutely. Room. Especially, you know, since Judo is so is linked so closely to Jiu Jitsu, you know, Judo and Jiu Jitsu were two words in Japan that were used interchangeably for a long time. Um, it wasn't until Judo was brought to Brazil that they started using the term Jiu Jitsu and, and for, for a lot of the Judo matches and, um, and it just kind of caught on. So it's, it's one of those things to where it was, you know, jujitsu was the ground portion of the judo fight game. There's so much history and it's so interlinked. You know, you could find two or three different lineages of, from Maeda of who he taught when he was in Brazil. So I think he taught uh, who was Oswaldo and Carlos uh, and there was one other gentleman, oh, was it George, George Gracie, but I, I'm, I'm forgetting the name now, but there's a, a couple different lineages, you know, um, have you ever heard of, you know, who Jose Aldo is, right? Oh yeah. yeah. So he, he Definitely. fights out of Novo Uniao and that's, that is not, uh, it's not a real Gracie jujitsu. It's, it's Oswaldo, uh, Gracie that did that, that went out on his own. And that's his portion that because he learned directly from Maeda. I'm sure I'm probably butchering some of this history and some guys that are, you know, into this and might uh, light me up over it. But as far as I know, that's, you know, it's a different branch of Gracie Jiu Jitsu. Uh, one that, that you won't see unless you go to those schools. I think that's why I like some of it too, is just the, the interconnectivity of it, that what led to this led to that. And, necessity is the mother of invention mm -hmm. and that's kind of how a lot of this came about not just not just jiu-jitsu or brazilian jiu-jitsu but you know the karate's the kung fu or gung fu's wrestling boxing like i mean honestly not to keep you know i don't want to make light of it but even professional wrestling the way we know it uh even going back a ways is it was born of necessity, mm -hmm. you know? So when we think of professional wrestling, it's the, you know, it's a work, but it started out very real. They were out there hurting each other and taking on all comers. Yeah. And then it evolves. Well, just like, uh, you know, you, you have to come up with a way to defend yourself when you lose or break your katana. And there were other styles, but we, you can't punch somebody with armor so that we have to throw that out and so now you have this new style jujitsu to deal with armed um warriors attacking you and you don't have your main weapon and, and i i just that stuff i love that i don't know why it basketball right they freaking basketball you have the ymca and they need an indoor something to do indoors during the winter. Okay, let's hang up some peach baskets. That's 
just cool to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To the mythology behind all of it and, you know, how it trickles down. And now we have this distilled version of it. The, the, the cool, the great thing that I love about jujitsu, uh, as opposed to like karate or say, um, taekwondo is that jujitsu is a little bit more open source. Like in, in those, those other aspects of like karate and, and, um, and, uh, taekwondo, they have katas and they're very regimented. But jiu-jitsu is, like I said, it's, it's more of an open source martial art to where everybody is always adding some little piece and some little. So you could go online. I could spend hours on YouTube you know, just watching instructional video after instructional and little details. Hey, don't put your wrist here. Or, you know, don't put your thumb there. Put your fingers in on the gi here. And just little tiny what they call micro adjustments that people have been adding to it over the years. Uh, and so I, I look at that kind of like our like identifix. It's just people are adding all those little tricks and tidbits and, and tools to our virtual toolbox. And we could go in there and we can access that when we need it. Uh, it's just it's it's really fascinating. I agree and with that. I am so very thankful you came on. I like talking about this. I like listening to you talk about it. I really, really, really liked the. Uh, learning to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations, like being able to take that from the mat to the bay is, that's a great correlation. I'm kind of jealous you said it. Oh, well, yeah, that was the the one little nugget of wisdom I had to share, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're a freaking comedian now. (laughs) Again, thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Napa, for the uh, sponsoring you know, we cover a lot of topics uh, on the podcast. Hopefully, some of them uh, really hit home. Uh, if they do, uh, please, please share, uh, especially the ones that, uh, you know, I guess we've got the divorce episode. We've got some substance use disorder episodes that, uh, you know, get the word out or share these around because I think they do help. Uh, and then again, if you want to reach out to me, don't hesitate. Matt Fonslow podcast at gmail.com or through Facebook. Thank you again, Sean. Uh, hope to have you on again soon. Fonzo. Maybe when you win the All Valley. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take right, care. Talk to you later. You've been listening to Matt Fonslow diagnosing the aftermarket A to Z on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Matt on your favorite listening app. He's very interested in what you have to say. Let him know what you'd like him to cover and come on the show. Matt is all for advancing the aftermarket. Find Matt Fonslow on social media and connect or on aftermarketradionetwork.com.